Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Please have your seats. Okay. As Sam was saying before, we're on day 19. We're almost halfway through our OC 40 days where we're focusing on hosting the presence of God. And I hope and I pray that you are sensing, realizing more the reality of who Holy Spirit is and what he's come to do in your life and through your life. If you're feeling that, hey, I haven't had anything significant in my life yet, I want to encourage you, press in, press in, because God longs to come through for you in your life, to become more real for you. And yeah, sometimes the struggles of life and all those kind of things can kind of block out God. But let's just draw in, press in, and I believe that you will see that breakthrough. Hallelujah. So today's message is a sneak preview of the house of God, okay, of God's house. And as I was preparing this, when I was reading over these um, messages, even before we started the OC40, I found this particular message today very inspiring. There were some new things that I heard there that I hadn't heard before. And I really hope that you'll grab hold of these truths today because they're able to impact your life and make you somebody who's significant in the kingdom of God. We're going to start by looking at Genesis chapter 28 and reading from verses 10 to verse 18 here together. And uh, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until you have done what I have promised you. Until I have done what I've promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So this is the first place in the Bible where the house of God is mentioned. And when we hear about the house of God, what comes to mind? What what do we think about? Often we think of a building. A house of God like a, like a cathedral or something with a tall spire, maybe a cross on it. That's what we think of when we think of the house of God. Or maybe you think of us as individuals, which is also true. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 22, that in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So God is making us, building us together to become corporately, a house of God, but also individually, a place where God dwells and lives in us. 
But in this particular revelation, this dream that Jacob had, which is the first mention in the Bible of the house of God, there's no building present, right? No building. All we've got is an empty place where there were maybe a few rocks, and Jacob found a rock and made a pillow out of it, and there he slept in the middle of nowhere. There's no building. There's no congregation of people meeting together to worship. And this is the place that Jacob called the house of God. The revelation of his house, this revelation that we get here lays a foundation for what the rest of scripture builds on. In fact, this is a um, one of those rules that we apply when you interpret scripture. Um, and Genesis is often referred to as the seedbed of the Bibles because there's many places in Genesis where there's a first mention of many things. And that first mention of something lays a foundation which later scriptures that speak of the same thing, they build upon that foundation. So it's very important when we look at scripture to draw out what are those characteristics or those things that create the foundational understanding of what God is trying to tell us here. So this first mention of the house of God, what are the characteristics? What were the things that made this place to be something that Jacob said, wow, this is the house of God. What were those things? Well, the first thing was an open heaven. An open heaven. In his dream, he was lying there asleep, and he had this dream. He saw a stairwell going up, starting from the ground and going up into the heavens. And this is important, and you'll find out later on in our sermon. It wasn't God who was letting down a staircase from heaven down to earth, but it was a staircase that started from earth and went up into heaven. Okay? And what did he see? He saw angels ascending and descending, and then he saw God at the top of the staircase, and the voice of God spoke to him. So the first thing we see here that is a characteristic of the house of God is an open heaven. James chapter 4 and verse 5 says that God jealously longs for the spirit that he has made to live in us. Okay, now some people think that When their prayers don't seem to be reaching heaven, sometimes they feel like there's a closed heaven or there's a sealed heaven and they're not breaking through. Their prayers are not breaking through. And sometimes people get discouraged and say, I just don't know, but there's there's just a closed heaven above me. That is not true because this is one of the um, principles of the house of God. And you are the house of God, which means that where the house of God is, there is an open heaven. There's access to heaven. And sometimes you may feel it and sometimes you don't. But guess what? We don't walk by motion. We walk by faith and not by sight. So sometimes our prayers feel super anointed and sometimes they feel just cold and boring. But we continue to pray and we continue to soldier on because we know that all our prayers are heard in heaven. God hears us whether we feel it or we don't. And God 
This verse I read to you before in James 4, God jealously longs for the spirit that he's made to live in us. Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And God the Father in heaven longs for fellowship with you and with the Holy Spirit in you. There is no demon on this earth that can hold God away from you. So even if you're feeling like there's a closed heaven, I'm telling you this morning, there is an open heaven over your life as a believer when you host the presence of God in your life. So this was the first characteristic of the house of God. There was an open heaven. And the second characteristic was there was angelic activity. Angels going up, angels coming down. And I believe that these angels were sent on divine assignment from God. They had come, they come to um, accomplish divine purposes for God. God sends them out, and they're coming down with an assignment to do. And those who are on their way up the staircase have finished an assignment on earth, and they're ready to go back up again to receive a new assignment. So there's angelic activity going on from heaven, coming up and coming down. There's a scripture that says in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, that angels are ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, to accompany to protect and to minister to those who will inherit salvation. Imagine that. And you know, so many times we're not even aware of this. We don't even think about it because we don't see it with our naked eyes. And yet this is a spiritual reality where the house of God is, there's supernatural activity going on. There is an open heaven and there is angelic activity going on. God bringing um, angels on assignment to accomplish the things, the prayers of his saints and to come onto earth and do what they need to do coming up and down. There's this connection with heaven because there's an open heaven above us wherever the house of God. And the third characteristic that we see of the house of God is the voice of God. Jacob heard God's voice speaking. God spoke some things to him, some incredible things. He promised to be with him and to make him a blessing that would be a blessing to the whole world. It was amazing things that God spoke over his life. But one of the characteristics of the house of God is that the voice of God is present. Okay, whether that is in a house of, con- of, of God, like a congregation here of people that meet together, God's voice, hearing God speak should be a natural part of the house of God because that's what God does. Where he lives, he speaks. And when he lives in you and you are the house of God, God speaks. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. And many times you think, oh yeah, well other people, they're so super spiritual. They hear God speaking all the time. I don't know God's voice. I don't hear his voice. I'm telling you, you do. And it's so interesting in our connect group, actually, when we've been talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, it's interesting to see how Holy Spirit actually leads without many times us being aware of what God is doing. But we just meet this certain person at a certain time and we have a word for them right then and there. We're being led by the Holy Spirit. But you know, the voice of God is a still small voice. And the problem, reason why we often don't hear him is not because God is not speaking. The reason we don't hear him is because there's so many other voices in the world around us that are drowning him out. The busyness of our world and the media and the news and TV and Facebook and all these things are crowding our lives so much that we can't still ourselves to a point of just hearing his voice speak. 
But I'm telling you, if you can get to that place where you shut out all those other things and you become quiet before God, God is speaking. It is one of the things that you can expect as being the temple of the Holy Spirit is that God ministers and speaks to you. Just this week when I was in prayer and intercession at one point, and I had so many prayers and so many things to bring to God, but at one point I just became quiet and I was just quiet in his his presence. And suddenly God spoke. It was very clear and very brief to me, and it's something that God said to me in a prophetic word through somebody else when I was about 15 years old. So many years ago for me now, you can hear I'm getting old, But he used the exact same words that he'd used back then. And something came alive inside of me. It was like God spoke to that destiny inside of me that he'd spoken to when I was 15. God spoke those same words again. And it wasn't a long word. It was just a few short words. But something sparked inside of me. And I came alive in my spirit again. And I thought, that is what the voice of God does. But even when we come to prayer in God, so often we have so much on our agenda. And we're so busy with all the things we want to say that we don't give God a chance to speak. But I'm telling you this morning, the house of God is a place where an open heaven is over you, angelic activity, and the voice of God. Now, there was an interesting thing that Jacob said here. He said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So he says, this is the house of God. And then he says, this is the gate of heaven. How many of you think that looks the same? House of God and the gate of heaven. It seems like two very different things. But he's making a statement here that is important for us to hear and to understand. Because what is a gate? A gate is a transition place, okay? It takes you from one realm into another realm, from one world into another, or in the case like at my house, it takes me from my private property through the gate into a public domain, okay? So a gate is a transition place between one world and another or one realm and another. And God has built his house on the edge of two worlds, heaven and earth. His house is built on the edge of these two worlds. And that's the gateway where God comes through. That's where the open heaven is, where that staircase comes and there's angelic activity and the voice of God. Where does that happen? That entrance between heaven and earth happens through the house of God. This is the place where there's an open heaven. Your life as the house of God, you are that place where God's presence resides, where there's an open heaven over you, where there's supernatural angelic visitation in your life, and where the voice of God is active. How can we not be effective ministers of God in this world? How can we not turn the world upside down when this is what God has in store for us and has made a reality in our lives? So this is the first glimpse that we get of the house of God in the Old Testament. But it takes on a new meaning because here in the Old Testament, it was like a glimpse of something to come. It was like a prophetic picture of something to come. And it takes on a new meaning when we see Jesus, the Son of God, 
who came to live among us here on planet Earth. Last Sunday, when Chioma was talking about the um, empowering presence of God in our lives, she was looking first at the Old Testament, what it looked like when the Holy Spirit came upon the prophets and the priests and the kings in the Old Testament. And then in Jesus' life, the Holy Spirit came upon him and remained on him. And Jesus was a prototype or he was the initial fulfillment of what God wanted for the whole church when we came into the new covenant when Jesus died on the cross where we would walk in this reality on a daily basis. So John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word, that's Jesus, he became flesh and he made his dwelling, his house among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So Jesus came and dwelt. In other translations, it says he tabernacled amongst us. So God's word became flesh and became the house of God that lived among us throughout the time that Jesus was here. Because John says in this same chapter of chapter 1, a little later on in verse 32 to 34, John, who baptized Jesus, says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me that the man to whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on him, he is the one that you will baptize, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I have seen, John said, and I testify that this is the Son of God. So here we see now a change. Jesus didn't, or, or just as we heard last week, Holy Spirit didn't just come upon them for a specific assignment, but now Holy Spirit came on Jesus in power and remained upon him. So when Jesus was baptized, Holy Spirit came on him and remained on him so that he became the house of God during his entire ministry here on earth. Jesus modeled for us how to live under an open heaven and how to release the resources of heaven into the earth through the Holy Spirit. When Holy Spirit lives in us, Holy Spirit positions us to live under an open heaven. And the fullness of heaven's supply and resources flow through the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that just awesome? The fullness of heaven, the supply, and the resources of God flow through the person, the power, and the presence of Holy Spirit when he dwells in you. Wow. There's so much available for us as believers. It's just amazing. But so many times we don't walk in that truth because we don't understand it. We don't grasp it. We don't get hold of it in our spirits. And it's my prayer that you will really, something will sink down in you and you realize what an amazing, awesome privilege God has given you as a child of God to host the presence of God, to allow God's presence to actually live in you. Oh, wow. It's my prayer that not only as a church, but as individuals, we'll make Holy Spirit so comfortable in this house, in our house, and in this place that he feels free and he feels at home and he feels loved and, and released to do whatever he has on his heart to do. 
Let's look at another scripture. Later on in John chapter 1, um, Jesus is um, gathering disciples to himself. And here we see, yeah, well, let's read it. Then we'll have a little talk about it. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, but you will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here we have it again. Jesus is giving us this picture of the house of God, where Jesus has become that house where Holy Spirit dwells. And he says here, you will see heaven open, that open heaven, and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, I think it's very important for us to note this little, the last word there, man, son of man. Because before we were talking about the son of God, and yes, Jesus is the son of God, but he's also the son of man. And when Jesus came to live here on earth, he laid aside his majesty and he became human, just like you and me, with the frailties and the weaknesses that come along with being human. Jesus took that upon himself and became just like us. And this is how he identifies with us as a son of man, which means that if Jesus could show us the way to host the presence of God in our lives and make a difference in the world around us, he's saying, if I can do it, you can do it. And we know that because Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, I'm the light of the world. And later on, he says, you are the light of the world. And Jesus, um, at other times, Jesus went around and did miracles and healings and raised the dead and did all these things. And after showing it to the disciples, what did he do? He turned around to the disciples and said, go and do likewise. I give you authority to go and do that. So Jesus was just setting an example and showing us this is how you live under the new covenant as a man, as a woman, as a human being. This is what God has made available for you. And this is what he's calling us into. So Jesus became the initial fulfillment of this prophetic picture in the Old Testament. But he was not the ultimate fulfillment. You and I are. This is supposed to be part of the normal Christian life. Yeah? How many of us know we have a long way to go? Yeah? May God give us a hunger and a desire in our heart to grow in these truths so that we really come to know all that God has in store for us as believers. Hallelujah. Well, as we know, Jesus died on the cross and he was resurrected. And when he was about to ascend to heaven, he says to his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for me there. 
wait, wait there, not wait for me. Wait there because I'm going to the Father and I'm sending someone else to come and be with you who will live in you and be with you forever. And so let's read in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 8. This is now under the new covenant where Jesus has died on the cross. And now Jesus has released us into this new era, the new covenant that we now live under in this time that we live. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were saying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them speaking in our own native language? So Jesus told them to go and wait for the power, wait for the Holy Spirit. And they're together, together in this upper room. There's about 120 of them that are these disciples, both Jesus' 11 disciples, but many others of his followers. There were 120 of them. And they were meeting together. And on this day of Pentecost, that was like day 10 of the time that they'd been gathering together. And the Bible says that they were in one accord, or they were in one heart, they were in one mind and, um, and heart when Holy Spirit came upon them. Now, I think this is such an important aspect, the aspect of unity. Because, you know, when we come together in a gathering like this, we come from so many different backgrounds. We have so many different understandings and perceptions. And it's so easy to offend each other, too. It's so easy to misunderstand each other. And if we don't guard the unity that God gives us as a, as a body, we begin to have grudges against one another. And there'll be certain people that you don't want to sit next to or certain people you don't want to talk to. But do you realize that when you allow that disunity to come into the house, it prevents the Holy Spirit, the flow of the Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit flows in a place where there's unity, where people's hearts are united in one accord. And so we need to search our hearts and see, God, is there anybody in the house that I am not reconciled with? And may I put my life right. May I put that right. We need to ask God forgiveness if there are people that we've held grudges against. We need to release them and bless them and find time after church, to go and reconcile with these people. Because if we don't, we become a hindrance for the flow of the Holy Spirit in our midst. The other thing we see from here, where the disciples were gathered together, they were there in prayer, calling upon God, seeking his face. And as a result, what happened was that earth invaded heaven before heaven invaded earth. Just like we saw with the ladder, it started from the earth and went up into the heaven, not the other way around. And many times we sit around and say, well, if God wants to move, if God wants to do something, let him do it. He's, he's uh, all powerful. He can do what he wants. But God waits for us. And that's why we're hosting this 
um, for OC 40 days of hosting his presence. We're pressing in. We're saying, God, we want you. We need you. We long for you. And as we press on into God, we're invading heaven. And what happens? Heaven invades earth and God comes down. And it always starts from here. It always starts in our hearts. And if you're waiting for God to make the first move, he's already done that through Jesus. He's waiting for you now to make that move and draw near to him and allow his presence to impact your life. Earth invaded heaven before heaven invaded earth. And then it says a violent sound, a sound came from heaven like the rushing wind or a violent wind. And they saw tongues of fire on people. So there were two things that happened when the Holy Spirit came, when the heavens were rendered, um, wrenched in two. Sometimes we think it was a gentle breeze that was flowing. But the Bible makes it very clear that it was a powerful, violent wind that tore the heavens when Holy Spirit came down. And there's an interesting scripture in Psalms 104 and verse 4. It says, God makes his messengers, which are angels, wind and flames of fire. Okay, we're back to this picture of the house of God. There's an open heaven and there's the wind and the flames of fire, God's messengers. So that place was full of angelic activity. And as Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in other tongues, you know, sometimes when we read this scripture, it might look like, oh, people heard them speaking all these different languages. And that's what made them come to, to in bewilderment and say, wow, what's going on? But I don't think it was the fact that they were speaking many different languages. Because people, this was 9 o'clock in the morning. Everybody, this is an international city, so they're used to hearing many different languages. That's not a new thing. In any of our capital cities around the world, we're used to hearing so many different languages, and it becomes more and more common. Even within our church, we have many different languages represented. So I don't think what made those people in that city leave their tools or leave their shops or leave their market stands and go to that upper room to see what is going on. I don't think that what drew them was the sound of them speaking in tongues up in the upper room. I believe that it was when the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit was released from heaven, and heaven was torn open, and with a violent whoosh, the Holy Spirit came and invaded this earth. I think there was a shift in the atmosphere. I believe that the presence of Holy Spirit, when it came down, it shook the spiritual world. Demons started fleeing. Something happened. There was a shift in the spiritual. And that is what people sensed. Because there's a longing in people's hearts for God. And they sensed something has happened. Something's happened. We don't know what it was. They dropped their tools and they ran to that place. And what they found was 120 disciples praying in tongues and speaking the praises of God in all of their different dialects. And as a result of that... You know the story, we've spoken about it before, about how Peter, just as one example, how his life was transformed. When the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him, he went from being that guy who was cowering in the corner saying, I don't know Jesus. And he stood there boldly proclaiming the gospel of God to thousands of people. And on that day, 3,000 were saved. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what he can do in our lives. Now back to this thing of perfect unity. You know, when our instruments here, we don't have a lot of instruments here, but the ones that we do have, when they play in the same key 
the same music, it creates a beautiful sound. But how many of you know that if they were not tuned together and they started to play, all it's going to create is a loud noise, yeah? And the more instruments you add, the more confusion it's going to add, unless we're all tuned in to the one same thing. And that's what God wants for us. When we come together in unity, we all tune our hearts into Jesus. Jesus is the standard. He's the one that we tune into so that we all become one in him. And that is the place where Holy Spirit is able to flow in our midst. There's an indistinguishable sound of the breath of God that blows across yielded hearts when they're united together in him. And this is what God wants to do in our midst as well. He wants to move in power. He wants to come in that same way that he did. Maybe we're not going to see flames of fire. Maybe we're not going to hear that wind. But what we know is that the house of God is the place where there's an open heaven. And right now here above us and above you, there is an open heaven. There is a connection to God angelic visitation. I believe there are angels in this room, ministering angels. And I just want to invite you to stand together with me now. I would just like, first of all, for us just to search our hearts. If there is anybody in this church that you have unreconciled issues with, either in this church or elsewhere. You know how the word of God says that if you remember somebody you haven't reconciled with, before you come to sacrifice anything to God, make it right with that person first. Let's just take a moment to just let Holy Spirit search our hearts, because if we are not reconciled to one another and we have unresolved issues, we hinder the flow of Holy Spirit. Let's just take a moment.